I want to talk um, uh, tonight about, um, take you to the scripture. Turn with me to James. It says in James chapter 1 verse 5, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. If you lack wisdom, where do you get it from? God. You ask God and God will give it you. That's if you believe the Bible. And um, <coughs> then it goes on. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. There is a double-mindedness that creeps into people, uh, a double attitude. One of the things that's happened in the church today is that the church has adopted, or, or it is... Um, basically changing because of culture. Uh, you know, they say, well, society, I'm reading a book by an American. <laughs> um, it could have been another nationality, but it happens to have been American. He wrote this book, and he, he, he's saying, one of the things he says that in the church, in the society in America, it's changing every three to five years. The whole cultural makeup is changing between three and five years. And therefore, the church has to adapt. And uh, the programs of yesteryear are no good. And the schemes of yesteryear are no good because uh, they don't fit in with the culture as it changes. And that if you're going to really affect society, you've got to change all the time. Well, I find that fascinating. Is because the gospel never changes, now God never changes. And we're to preach Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today and forever. His message is relevant to everyone, everywhere, out of every nation, tribe and kindred. And his message is not cultural. His message is a reconciliation with God. And it is not to do with our culture. And it is not to do with our society. It doesn't matter that uh, what I loved about Billy Graham. I saw a program when I was in Tulsa. I can't remember how many years. It was it 50 years. Eight, he was celebrating his 80th birthday. Beautiful thing about it was with, with Billy Graham, they showed him preaching in 1947 and they showed him preaching in 1997 and the message hadn't changed. The message doesn't change. The gospel doesn't change. Uh, what has happened is the church thinks it has to change its message. If you leave the true message of the gospel, then what you do is you really negate the word of God because the word of God doesn't change. And the idea that somehow you've got to tailor it to your culture or tailor it to society is crazy. 
Now if you have church programs and church schemes, they need changing because basically a church program or a scheme or a gimmick won't bring people into Christ. It's just a gimmick. And um, in America they have a new gimmick every year. In Britain they have a new gimmick every three years because they're not as quick at thinking them up. And they, you know, it's either relationship, discipleship, um, any new little gimmick. And because of email and publications, people grab hold of it. But the gospel of Jesus Christ is the same. We don't need gimmicks. We need him. And when we have the life of Christ, we have everything. And he and his word is relevant whatever year it is, whatever society it is, whatever society is doing, I don't care. Frankly, the world and the ways of the world aren't our ways, are they? We're part of God's kingdom. And, and friendship with the world is enmity against God. <laughs> It can't be subject to the law of God. And so the whole idea and concept that you've got to adapt your church to fit in with your culture is crazy. I'll never do it, never will. And what I started 33 years ago, I still believe the same. Hadn't changed, and I won't change one iota. And I don't care what people think. I know it works. Miracles happen. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and we don't need to change things. The only reason you ever adapt things is because you haven't got life. Then you need gimmicks. You need to draw people in by gimmicks. But it doesn't work. It doesn't bring life. We're born again of the incorruptible word of God. We're not born again of gimmick or program, or scheme. And the church of Jesus Christ doesn't fall into any of those categories. I'm not interested in them. I'm not interested in any new gimmick. I'm not interested in the new move. I'm not interested in the new wave. Don't bother me. Don't care. What I'm interested in is the truth as it is in Christ. That's it. Pure and simple. And it always works. Uh, if it works, why try and fix it? Uh, as simple as that. And young people, they're fed up with gimmicks too. They need to hear the true gospel. We need always to come back to Jesus Christ. Um, Paul said we don't preach ourselves, we preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. What men want to take out of the gospel is the cross. They want to make the gospel and the truths of God acceptable by removing the cross, which is the element that is most essential. And if you don't change your lifestyle, if you don't deny yourself, take up your cross and follow Jesus, you cannot be his disciple. End of story. He said so. I believe it. No cross, no crown. You cannot come into life outside of Calvary. You can't come into reality outside of Calvary. And so all that we do is always bringing people back to the simplicity. As I've said so many times, I only have one message. I, I say it in all sorts of different ways, but really there's only one thing, bringing people to Jesus and God's will. Let me go on to um, 
chapter 3. Or, or let, no, let me just take um, in chapter 1, verse um, 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust, that's his own desire and entice. Look, God doesn't tempt anyone. You get tempted and you get into problems when you're drawn away of your own lust. That means in, in the Greek it's natural desire. Your natural desire begins to work on you, and you're drawn away of that. I hear people say, oh, you know, uh, the devil did this. It doesn't say the devil, does it? Hello? James, when he wants to tell people. See, when you're a Christian, you've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. I, I worry when people tell me the devil did this, the devil did that, I know they're in the wrong kingdom. Should be out of that nonsense. Uh, and it says, it's your natural desires. They get hold of you, entice you, don't they? Hmm? When lust, that's desire, hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Of his own will, verse 18, begat he us with the word of truth. It's the word of truth gets hold of your heart, doesn't it? That's how you get begotten again. You don't get begotten by an experience. You have an experience when the word of God gets hold of you. Uh, but it's the word of God that brings the experience. It is not an experience that brings God. It's God who begets us. We don't beget ourselves and come to him. Salvation's of God. It's God who does it. If God doesn't speak into you an incorruptible word, you won't get born. He does it. And then it goes on in chapter 3, verse 1. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Uh, and then it goes on in verse um, 4. And you remember we talked about um, being tossed in the winds and on the sea. And behold, also the ships, verse 4, which, though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so... The tongue is a very little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. 
so is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. And here, James wants people to know that the problem is a big ship is turned around by a little helm. And that's how the tongue is. Hey, you can mess your life up real good by what you say. You can get yourself into a lot of trouble by what you say. And a tongue that's set on fire of hell can do a lot of damage. And everyone in life needs to examine whether they're in control of themselves. There's something about a ship I want you to think about. You know, if you're going to go sailing or you're going to go on a journey, a, a ship, you have someone in charge of a ship, first thing he does is he decides where he's going to go. If he's wise, he'll look out find out the weather because fierce winds will drive him around. There's someone trying to uh, row across the Atlantic at the moment and the guys spent days going around in circles. Uh, they've got it on a computer. They traced him and tracked him and he's been going around in circles. Well, he hadn't got far. He's been rowing and gone around in circles. The wind's driven him around in circles. Well, you're not going to arrive anywhere going around in circles. You need direction. The other thing about it is if you're going to go on a journey, you need to store up and make provision for your journey, don't you? Huh? And that's why you'll find in James, he says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Hey, you need to be smart if you're going to get on in life. God wants to give you wisdom. So your life is fruitful. What God doesn't want is an unfruitful life. Um, here, here is my Father glorified in that you bear much fruit. And here's a life. And we're like ships. And a big ship can be turned with a little helm. And you can turn your life around with your tongue. You can turn it around the right way and you can turn it the wrong way. You can turn other people's lives round with your tongue too. You can affect other people by what you say. And the source of your tongue is the most important thing. There's some who've got their tongue set on fire of hell. And in the natural state, it says it's a world of iniquity. It defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. Do you realize that that's everything has been tamed? Did you know that? People think that... God has made a way for man to actually take supremacy and control everything in nature. Man can. And yet it goes on. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly 
poison. How about that? That's horrible, isn't it? Tongue. Now, that is a Bible definition. You might not like it, but it's what it says. Full of deadly poison. Now, deadly poison kills. And that's the tongue. No man can tame it. No one can ever tame it. That's why we need God. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the likeness of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either of vine figs? So can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. When people have strife in their life, it makes it clear there's every evil work. I believe that. I see so often people envy, people have bitterness, People moan, and a tongue becomes deadly poison. And when they speak, what they speak is poisonous. As I said the other week, some people, their tongues and their mouths are like sewers. What they say. This is putting it in a biblical context. Just says deadly poison. Kills. What you say affects people what you say has power the devil came and he said huh, has God said the devil came and he asked questions he, he comes to kill and to destroy the tongue set on fire of hell there are people who are critical that's just the way they are they're only there to destroy. They'll destroy faith. They'll destroy hope. They'll destroy good. They'll call good evil an evil good. They'll tear things down. They'll call it enlightenment. That prayer that uh, that man prayed, when you look at it, what he said was so correct. Hey, uh, let me have a second. Um, he defines it very well. Today, what we've got in our government is people like that. Uh, if you stand up for truth, you're criticized as being right-wing. 
We're not right wing, we're right. But we're not on a wing. And anyway, it's better to be on the right wing than the wrong wing, isn't it? Uh, but there's now, they've made it out. If you stand up for righteousness, oh, you know, you're one of those fundamentalists. Yes, I am. I believe what God says is true. Oh, you're right wing. No, I'm not right wing. I'm right. Because I agree with what God says. And they try and ridicule values and standards that are God's. There's no such thing as an alternative lifestyle. There's God's way of living, and there's the devil's way of living. The world's way is wrong. God's way is right. That's it. There isn't an alternative. It's not a choice. They come along, and they... Um, reward laziness and call it welfare. I like that. They neglect the di to discipline the children and call it building self-esteem. How often I hear that, you know, well, you, you mustn't restrict children, you let them have their way. Hey, I want to tell you something, children need discipline. Don't they? And nothing worse than a child who just runs lawless. God put us on the earth to do something. Uh, and our families are happy when we live according to God's principles. But so often, the world now is coming, and, and the whole of our society is run by spin. They put a, 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 a kind of tone on everything. If you stand up for what's right, oh, you're not one of them, are you? Oh, you're one of those right-wing, you know, extremist we're not extreme we're normal they're extreme but they've made extremism sound normal perversion sound normal and it's devilish and the Christians got to stand up for truth we haven't got to be ashamed of what we believe we haven't got to be ashamed of what God says God doesn't change what they're talking about today, and it's terrible, churchmen are getting up and saying, ah, oh, well, you've got to understand, this is the 20th century. It's not, 20, is it? 21st century now, isn't it? It's changed, eh? <laughs> Although some would argue that the millennium isn't till next year. Who knows? Who cares? I mean, a load of old rubbish. But whichever it is, we're not more enlightened. There's more crime. There's more poverty. There's more vile diseases. There's greater immorality. There's greater violence in the earth than there ever was. Man has just found more ways to be evil. And God has said, hey, against the tide of that, you've got to stand. And you've got to be clear about what you believe, what you speak. We mustn't let the poison get in our souls. There's deadly poison out there. They're trying to poison us with their spin and their ideas. Say, oh, well, you see, we aren't a multicultural society. I don't believe in multiculturalism. I believe in Christianity. I'm a Christian. 
There's only one earth, and God is the creator of it. A man is upon earth. And there is only one culture that's any good, and that's the culture of God and Jesus Christ. There isn't an alternative way into God, but by Jesus Christ. No man can come to the Father, Jesus said, but by me. There is no other way. We're straight. We say what's true. We're not somehow suggesting some outrageous thing. We're merely expressing what's always been. We're Christians. And we're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're not going to compromise it. The world wants to bring the deadly poison. They'll speak against it. They'll mock you. They'll ridicule you. But you've got to stand firm. Their tongue set on fire of hell. They don't want us. But they've got us. And we're going to remain. And we're not going to move. They're going to move. We have the power and authority in God to change things. And they're going to have to face the fact that we will not budge. Because our lives are set in Christ. We will not compromise. We will not deviate. We will not in any way change because of the culture or because of society. God's word stands sure. It is eternal. It is true. It cannot be varied. There is no compromise. It's where we stand and what we are. And when you get to that place, hey... And these extremists, why? One year they believe one thing, the next year they believe something else, the next year they've got something else. We know what we believe. Hadn't changed in 2,000 years. It won't change ever. The truth is true. That's it. And I'm an absolute truth person. I believe what God says. And here we have the tongue coming along. People say, well, why don't you compromise? Get more people in your church. But what type of church would it be if people... Uh, I read stories of big churches in America. They've, they've compromised with culture. God doesn't want us just to take the values of the world and say, all right, come in, come in. God wants us to take the values of Jesus Christ and say to people, hey, if you want to be part of the body of Christ, you have to live this way. If you want to go God's way, these are the precepts and principles of God and they don't vary. And if you don't want to live this way, don't call yourself a Christian. If you don't want to go God's way, don't pretend it demands a change of lifestyle. Christianity is a total lifestyle. It's the life of Christ in us. Without that, you're not a Christian. It's not a matter of choosing what you like and leaving what you don't like. It's not a matter of compromise. It's a matter of absolutes. And James, when he's writing, he says, Hey, look, there's, there's people in there and their tongues are full of deadly poison. 
They come along, uh, and what they're doing is attacking truth. People don't attack God, they attack the pastor or the minister. I'll tell you why, because the minister's the person they can get at. They find it hard to get at God. Tell you what, it gets inside. I like it when it gets to people and when it stirs them up. Glory to God. Spurgeon said, if you don't make people mad or glad, stop preaching. Because the only way, if people are either mad or glad, then you're reaching them. If you don't affect them, you aren't speaking life. You're just speaking knowledge. And knowledge doesn't help anyone. It's got to get inside people. Gets to where you function in your spirit and it stirs inside of you. That's what God intends every preacher to do. If you're not living right, it should get to you. It's like a mirror. You look and you see what type of person you are. Makes you mad. You'll project it because you don't like, you know, the, 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 the conviction no one likes. So they try and project it onto other people. Very often I have a husband come and say, I'm glad you spoke that. My wife really needed to hear it. And I think, oh dear. What's he done? He's projected what he needed to hear right onto someone else. It needs to apply personally. What God says is for each individual. If I, if I could kind of put my finger over your head and say, I'm talking to you. Stop trying to dodge the issue. You need to clean up your act. You need to clean up your life. God intends to speak to you. You're the one. It's no good saying, is it me? Or, you know, it's so, someone, and you sit in the meeting and you think, oh, I know who that applies to. My goodness me, that just... Oh, yeah, I'm glad there's hope Mrs. So-and-so's here. And then you look round. It's not Mrs. So-and-so, it's you, your so-and-so, that needs to hear it. The tongue. Teachability. Hardest thing I have as a pastor is a bunch of unteachable people. Childlike faith. We're going to talk about it in the men's meeting tomorrow. One thing I've learned over in life, whatever you do, you need to learn. And you never stop learning. If you stop learning, you stop progressing. If you stop progressing, you're dead. In life, in business, in home, in family, you're always learning. Every day I get up, I'm learning. And that God wants us to be teachable. When you get rigid in your views and rigid in your ideas and, and the rigidness stops the word of God getting inside and transforming your life into the likeness of Christ, something's gone wrong. God intends us to be changed from glory to glory as in the face of Jesus. There's no escape. Always it's a challenge. 
And the thing is, when people don't want to change, then their tongue becomes full of poison. Because the only way you can defend yourself is to attack truth. Well, I don't agree with it. I don't like that. No, what you mean is you don't want to change. It's you. God's looking to change you. And a word of God comes and God says, look, the tongue set on fire of hell. I know there's certain people in this church, I guarantee, I know who they are, some of them. You just need to be with them for two minutes. It's deadly poison comes out their mouth. Doesn't matter what they say, it's poisonous. Has an edge to it, has a cut to it. deadly it's not there to restore it's not there to heal it's there to kill and God says hey you don't get sweet and bitter water out of the same fountain you just don't you can't have a double standard you just can't it's not possible and all the time those people they come uh, and if you feed off them you'll end up poisoned that's why I say to people people are moaning and complaining don't have anything to do with them let them go and kill themselves keep away I'm careful I was always careful with my children as they were growing up who stayed in our home who, who was invited I'll tell you why I love my kids there were people I didn't want them ever to have anything to do with and I made sure they didn't have anything to do with. I'll tell you why. Because I knew the poison came out. And I didn't want them to feed on poison. I loved them enough. And the same in society, same in church. Doesn't mean just because someone comes to this church that he's okay. It's what he produces in his life. And it tells you. And we don't want to feed on deadly poison, do we? Makes you sick, doesn't it? Hmm? Hurts you, doesn't it? Deadly poison. Someone comes along. Boy. The devil comes with lies. He's a liar from the beginning. A tongue that's set on fire from hell. Boy, it can do a lot of damage, can't it? Hello? Yeah. You know, there are people like that, aren't there? They've got a gift of being destructive. It's their special gift. You know, as soon as you, you see them coming, oh dear, here they are. I avoid them. Amazing thing is they always want to come and tell you. Oh, don't want to know. If you want to live in hell, live in hell. Shouldn't be that way, he says. Hmm. Doth, verse 11, Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can a fig tree, my brethren bear olive berries either a vine figs so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh 
What does it mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means someone who comes and they utter out their bitterness. I want to tell you, you're not going to get sweetness out of them. If someone's got real bitterness in them, that bitterness is going to be produced no matter what. Bitter people are bitter. My Bible says a root of bitterness springing up defiles many. It's deadly poison. Amazingly enough, people can always justify their bitterness. It was he who did this, she did that, someone did something else, and out comes all the bitterness. Hmm? They think they're just... You can't justify bitterness because that bitterness will destroy. And it's wrong. You are in life what you are because that's what you want to be. What you've done in life you did because that's what you wanted to do. It was no one's fault except yours. In the end, you sin because you choose to sin. That's why you sin when you're drawn away by your natural desires. You're tempted. You do it. You make the choice. And in life... People have always made the choice. It's, no it's not a victim society. You're not a victim. You're someone who's made choices and you are what you are today because that's what you want to be. It's no good me going back in my life and blaming my lack of work when I, when I first went, when I was at school. No good me blaming the, the school and saying, well, I could have done better. I got places at Cambridge. I could have gone if only I'd worked, but the, the, it wasn't my fault. There was good football pitches. I liked rugby, and cricket was fantastic. And I was in the tennis team, and I loved basketball, and, and I just was fanatical about sport, and I couldn't have cared. I tell you, on some of the exams, I was reading the set book a day before I sat the exam for the first time. Uh, I loved sport. I'd go five hours a day, I'd play sport. Who wanted to education? Not me. I loved sport. Well, just me. Give me a, a ball, whether it's a, a, a rugby ball or a football, or a hockey ball, or a cricket ball. Basketball, tennis ball. That's, I loved it. Used to be, I, I wanted to be a professional sportsman. I didn't want to be anything else. You couldn't earn any money at it, but I liked the idea. Great, I just enjoyed games. I just loved sport. Now I can't blame the school and say, well, they shouldn't have had such good facilities. We shouldn't have had the opportunity to do it. You can always look back, and I could blame lots of things. I could say, well, you know, but the truth is, I did what I wanted to do. Should, could say, well, the teachers should have got me to do it. But in the end, you can't violate a person's free will. They're going to do what they want to do. In the end, devious though they are, humanity will find a way to fulfill its own desire. And that's what happens with temptation. You find a way to do what you want to do, don't you? Now, 
when it's sin, you justify it by saying, well, it's not really that bad. And then when you start down that road, you say, well, you might as well be hung for a sheep as a lamb. And then you're down a wrong course, aren't you? Fulfilling, but it's all your own will, isn't it? Hello? It's choice, isn't it? You make choices. Now, before you're a Christian, you don't have a chance to make a choice. You're taken captive at the devil's will. But once you become a Christian, you get choice, you get free will. Then you can choose to do right or you choose to do wrong, don't you? Hmm? And really, your mess is because you want to go the wrong way. You want to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. That's the real crux of the thing. It's not that someone's compelling you. It's not the fault of society. It's you. So nice if you could offload it, isn't it? I'm a victim. It's no good me turning around and saying, well, my father died when I was eight. It's not my fault. So I, I, I went to a boarding school. I could, I could start making all sorts of excuses. It doesn't matter. The fact is, that's part of life. Time and chance happeneth to every man. But when the time comes and I have the chance, what do I do with it? Everyone's got to answer in the end for his own life. God is righteous. He's given all of us opportunity. And James, when he writes to the church, he says, listen, here. Some of you are using your tongue and you're turning your whole life around and going in the wrong direction because of the way you speak, the way you let things out. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You let bitterness get in there. You get envy in there. You get strife in there. And I tell you what you do, you poison. You're poison. He said, you you won't get sweet and bitter water at the same fountain. You've got to deal with the bitterness in your heart. Because in the end, all bitterness is against God. In the end, you might say, well, it's circumstances, but really you're accusing God. People come to me and say, life isn't fair. Well, it isn't. Life isn't fair. Nothing fair about life. There's no equality in life. It wasn't my fault that I grew up with an ability to play sport and other people didn't. There are other people who go in the classroom, they couldn't kick a football to save their life. They couldn't play sport. They didn't have any skill. It's not my fault I'm six foot one and other people are podgy little people of four foot nothing. I mean, that's just the way your genes are, isn't it? As long as you ate decently. There's some people who are short. There's some people... It's not my fault I was born handsome. My mother told me that. I was a beautiful baby. It's not my fault I, I, I grew up... It's not... You know, there are other people who grew up different. Everyone grows to... Life isn't equal. I have skills that other people don't have. And they have skills I don't have. I, I could never be a pianist. 
There's some people who can get on a piano and they can make the thing talk. Other people can get on a piano and annoy me. There's some people with a gift. There's some people that can sing like a nightingale. And then there's other people that can just sing like Colin. I mean, what can you do? <laughs> there, there's in all kinds. Of, there's some people who, who are brilliant on computers, and there's some people they turn the computer on, and the thing just locks up solid. There's some people with gifts, you know, artistic gifts. And there's some people that think they're artistic and they're colorblind. I mean, they have the most awful taste. And they think it's nice. And I look at it and I think, my God. There are some people, women, who are, who are able to make themselves look nice. And there's some women who... What can one say? Uh, there's some people who dress smartly and there's some people who, no matter how they dress, they look. It's just life, isn't it? We're all different. Life isn't fair in that sense. And so many people want to do something they're not capable of doing. The gifts God's given you, use them. But don't try and be what you're not. Be what you are. If you don't, you'll end up with bitterness. You'll envy. You'll look at what someone else has got and you'll start envying it. You'll envy what they do. Hey, we are what we are by the grace of God. The gifts that God's given us, let's use them to the full. Keep out of that area. Envy, jealousy. It's wrong. And once you get that envy and jealousy, it's not long before you're bitter. And you look at people and all you can do is try and tear them down because you were never lifted up. God doesn't intend us to live that way. James said that's what had happened in the church. Verse 14. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth, this wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality, without wrangling and without hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. And one thing about there are people that just want to contend. They want to argue over anything. And there's other people who just want to make peace. What you need to be is true, isn't it? Hmm? What God's looking for is not someone who's going to be contentious and argue over some silly little doctrine. What counts is how you are in your life. What counts is how you are in your home, with your wife, with your family. What counts is how you are with your children. What counts is how you are in business. What counts is how you live. 
And as far as possible, you want to live at peace with all men. All women. You want to live at peace, don't you? There's got to be a peaceable spirit. It's not a strife and a striving and always contending, always got a point of view, always got an argument, always got a bit of little thing, always an edge, always an opinion, always a thing. No, that's devilish. It's not what counts. We, we just live at peace. It says we're to love one another. Not to find fault all the time. We live at peace. Joy. I'm so grateful to God. I'm grateful to God for all he is, for what he does. I love him. I find it an exciting life, don't you? Lift your hands to heaven. Father, I just thank you for each one here. Lord, let the word of life work inside him. Take away all the bitterness strife, envying, rancor. Lord, wash people clean. Let them live in love instead of bitterness. Lord Jesus, in your mercy and your grace, change every heart that we might be ministers of life, not full of deadly poison. Lord, deliver and heal these dear ones, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.